Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Catfish Weekly, episode 29. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about night versus day fishing. And uh, thankfully we have all the technical difficulties figured out. Lyle's got his internet back, so we have Lyle Stokes with us tonight. We have Chuck Davidson with us tonight. Chuck can't actually hear me tonight, so he'll be helping out <laughs> this time. But uh, And then myself, Chris Wallace, a.k.a. FUD. Um, so uh, getting started into uh, night versus day fishing, uh, we're going to talk about you know feeding patterns, uh, techniques, uh, things that help night versus day fishing. So uh, I'll go ahead and start it off with uh, Lyle if you want to kick it off. Sure. One of the uh, one of the things that uh, you'll notice is uh, in the tournament circles, most of the tournaments are during the day. Uh, several reasons for that. One is because of safety factors, uh, daylight hours versus night hours. Uh, another reason is uh, a lot of the blues and channel cat tournaments, it doesn't really matter uh, if it's in the day or night because they'll bite any time of the day or the night. Now, flathead's uh, another situation. Not that you can't catch them during the day, but it's a lot uh, easier to catch them, or it seems like it's easier for me to catch them at night. Um, people are more comfortable during the daylight hours, so there's always going to be more people on the water. Personally, I prefer fishing at night simply because it's not so hot. Uh, you're not out in the blaring sun and all that stuff, but you know everybody has their own deal. Um, I don't like doing tournaments um, at night, running them. I like fishing them at night. I don't like running our tournaments at night uh, because of the safety factor. And the fact is that you get a lot of people coming into these tournaments that are not familiar with the area, and they're coming in blind, not knowing what's out there or where it's at or anything about it. And uh, one of the biggest issues that we have is uh, the St. Louis area, which is, unless you've been down there and seen the amount of boat barge traffic that's in that area, uh, people that think they have barge traffic on most rivers have no clue what barge traffic is really like unless they've been in St. Louis. Uh, and I'm sure that there's other places that have more barge traffic but for the size the river is there, compared to what the size the river is south of there, there's no comparison. Uh, and them tugboat operators, uh, for the most part, they have very little, if any, respect for anybody other than themselves. So safety is the reason why that I don't like doing them at night, but I do prefer to fish them. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but... Uh, on lakes and stuff, you don't have that issue, but I'm, uh, again, I'm not a, a lake-type fisherman uh, for the most part. Yeah, myself, for fishing tournaments, like you're saying, um, honestly, it doesn't, I do, like, for the heat factor, I do like fishing at night. Um, for, but for the visibility factor, I like the day, you know, and, and for whatever reason, you know, fishing at night, you you need a few more things like, you know, a glow sticks or things like that for drift fishing. And if you're not drift fishing, you're clicker fishing, which most of the time I, I, I relate to in anchored up. Um, being anchored up, I throw my clickers on, and I don't really, you know, I might have one pole that's sitting there, you know, 
you know, just hanging off the side, not not quite to the bottom or whatever. But uh, yeah, that's for nighttime. Most of the time, it seems like lately here I've been anchoring up, and I really need to start drifting more. Um, but I, I got to figure out a better a better uh, system with drifting at night, with uh, being able to see my poles, you know, being being locked down and stuff. And, well, and that's what we was talking earlier this afternoon. The light setup that I have on my boat, uh, you can video off these lights. You can uh, drift on them. You can tie. You can sit underneath them where they're not even shining on you, and you can tie your rigs up if you get broke off. Uh, it's amazing setup, and and I'll get some pictures this week and uh, try to have that to where we can share it next week on the show because uh, it's nothing spectacular really fancy i didn't make them i bought them uh, from bill parfit but um, they work extremely well and you can see we go to tournaments uh, and i'll pull my boat up and park it across the drive to the to where we're doing uh, uh, the what the uh, entries and uh, i'll turn one of them on and point towards the table and unless somebody gets in between the light and the table it's just like daytime they're LED lights, and, and they're amazing, and you don't have to put them all over your boat like them, these guys are doing with the blue and the red ones and putting them things all over the inside and all over the outside. These are two lights on a pole that are adjustable, extendable, and there's nothing like what you'll see in them blue and red ones that will light you up and hear what I got will do. Anytime you can video off of, a, off of a, up some lights in your boat, you've got the lights you need. Yeah, I've I've actually had in my boat. It's it's, I believe it's called uh, uh, 27 watt LED. It might be nine LEDs or 15 LEDs or, it could be uh, 27 LEDs. I'm not sure, but it, it's almost a spotlight. Doesn't use a lot of power. But the only problem I have with it is that it's it's kind of too bright and it also attracts a lot of bugs and you got to deal with that and. You know, some people, I mean, when we get into, you know, with what you're talking about, there's some people, and I, I I don't think it bothers me either way, but there's some people that just feel like they have to completely black out their boat at night. I mean, they don't even want their little tiny, you know, uh, bow light on or anything like that, navigation lights, the things that are even legal. They feel like that's going to, you know, scare off fish or something. I'm not sure. Well, I haven't noticed it scaring off any fish. And with these extendable poles, the bugs are not attracted to the light. They're attracted to heat. These things have put out a very low amount of heat, and you're extending them up above you. Now, mayflies are attracted to everything, but that's about the only type of bug that really give us any trouble. Uh, we extend these things up, I, don't, I think it's nine feet from the bottom, and they're sitting above you and crisscrossed and shining off the back of your boat, and we have very little bit of bug trouble. And, uh, you know, the bugs that you do are above you. They're not on you because the light sets so high. And uh, I'm, I'm considering, instead of the 9-foot poles, of putting 14s on it uh, because we do run our, uh, a lot of times at night we'll put our enclosure up, uh, tops and sides to keep dew and stuff off of us. And uh, uh, you will get, the, the, I'll tell you the truth, my fish finder, my hummingbird, will attract more bugs inside the boat if it's on than our LED lights up on the pole. Do you not dim your fish finder all the way down? I mean, I get I, out at night. and I do. I do now. 
I didn't used to. I used to leave it on. I couldn't understand why the freaking boat was getting in the boat, but it was a depth finder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, Jason asked, and and this might have to do with again what type of light you're using. How hard is it on the batteries using the lights? I know that the LED one that I had, it really. I mean, being an LED light, it uses absolutely no battery. So. Yeah, I, I can put these things up, and I've got an extra battery on those, and you can run it two nights in a row and hook it up to a charger. Uh, I use a one-amp charger on, on this battery, and it'll shut off in, in a, just a matter of minutes. They just don't take anything. Yeah. I've thought about when I had mine, I, I thought about just leaving it on in the garage and just not having a charger hooked up or anything and seeing how long it would take. But I have a feeling that I could probably leave an LED light on a on a 12 volt battery for probably two days or more, you know. No, I, there's no doubt. Uh, like I say, we our our tournaments night tournaments are usually 12 hours and uh, two nights in a row, and it, and it doesn't even uh, crack the seal on a battery. I mean, they just don't use anything at all. Yeah. Chuck, you got anything to add about the lights or anything? Yeah, I. Um... I'm really into the blackout stuff, and I'll use a, a few uh, glow stick bracelets and stuff like that sometimes. But uh, most of the time, I'll just wear my my headlamp on red. I've got the one where you don't have to scroll through the lights to get to your uh, red. It's actually got a separate button for the red because I don't like running my night vision or anything at all. And at night time, when you're drift fishing. Um, I mean, they hammer it so hard, uh, you really don't have to watch your poles. I mean, you can hear it when they nail it. It echoes. You can feel the boat move when they hit it because uh, they're chasing it down, and they hit it so hard. So, yeah, I just, um, you know, I just have my anchor light on, my front running light, and my headlamps, and uh, a thermocell running in the front and one in the back, and... I'm I'm usually comfortable all night and just have some spare batteries for your headlamp. I'm usually good to go. Now, now Chuck, you you hit on something that really wasn't part of. I mean, I guess it could be tied in, but I don't know if Lyle will tell you, but I know Jason Malone in chat right now will tell you. Me and him have discussed it. Uh, you obviously know about it. Not everybody does, believe it or not. But thermocell, oh my God. If you if you don't have a thermocell and you got a and you deal with bugs, hunting, fishing, whatever, you need to go buy a thermocell. This ain't a gimmick. You know, this is one of the things where I've been out in a tree stand on a, in an October day, went out one day, and I mean a wall of mosquitoes just just all over the place. I went out went out bought a thermocell the very next day. I could physically see where the mosquitoes would stop coming. They were so thick and that thermocell was doing such a good job I could actually see where they just pretty much would stop and turn around or you know I mean they just wouldn't go past that point. And I mean that thing I've got one in my boat. Um, it absolutely absolutely is one of the things that it, you, you need to have in your boat. We got two of the boat and two complete refill kits and as soon as one of them gets half down, we replace it. <laughs> yeah, another thing that's good, if you can, uh, they've got fans uh, that take the uh, D batteries. 
I also have one that uh, it what they call it a sisolate or whatever. It spins around. It's 12 volts. Plugs in your accessory. It got three speeds and keeping that fan blowing over the back of the boat. Um, it really keeps the bugs down also, and that that with the thermocells really help. Uh, just keep your thermocells upwind. Uh, if they're downwind, they won't help at all. That's why I keep two in the boat. But uh, a fan, a good 12-volt fan or a, uh, a battery-operated fan really helps also if, if they get really bad. And it's worth the little bit of extra room that it may take up in the boat. And especially as hot and humid as it gets out on the water, it really helps you stay comfortable also. I'm not sure how Leanne is, Chuck, but if the if the mosquitoes are out at night and we got that thermocell on, Cindy will fight you for it. Oh, yeah, she sits on it. Yeah, yeah, it just, you ain't taking it away from her. You just got to fit them off yourself. She puts one on each side, and I just got to try to stay close to it. <laughs> Heck yeah. Okay, yeah, the, uh, you know, going on about, um, I guess, fishing at night and, and having the light on and, and, you know, for me, honestly, I know that, Lyle, you build rods, you have the Black Horse Custom Rods. What... Have you have you have you actually experimented at all, or have you had any thoughts about any experimentation on how to get lights to a tip of a pole, like say on like on a, on a couple of you know AAA batteries or even a watch battery of some sort, or anything at all like you've ever tried or thought about trying? Yeah, the problem with that is you you, you try not to add any extra weight to rods, uh, even though catfish rods as a rule. Are, are heavy to begin with, but you don't want to add any extra weight to them. And what we've done is experimented uh, quite uh, quite extensively, actually, with um, uh, fluorescent thread, um, glow-in-the-dark thread. We paint some. Uh, we put some additive in this uh, for reflective purposes. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of things, and it depends on who's got them and what they want, uh, what you do. The glow-in-the-dark thread seems to work fairly well. It's a real pain to do, so I've kind of got away from that. Uh, we have some reflective white paint uh, that I put on, and then I wrap white thread over top of it. Uh, you have to watch doing that because you change the action of the tip of the rod uh, if you put too much stuff on them. But, uh, I've had people ask for the lights, but by the time you get everything done and add the batteries to them, you're adding several ounces of weight to them, uh, and, and I just try to stay away from that because, like I say, the rods are heavy enough uh, to start with, but the reflective uh, end of it is, is what we're going to focus on uh, from this point on. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I... I've thought about a bunch of different things. I thought about trying, you know, some type of really thin flat wire or something, running it down the blank and having just the tiniest little LED that would. Um, I even thought about, you know, have, how 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 the a bow's a bow and arrow's uh, sight system works, where they got basically a uh, fiber optic right. cable and the light sort of runs through it. 
I've even thought about something like that, you know, and, and the problem with that is you're getting into the expense to where people don't want to pay the extra to have it, you know, by the time you buy that, because to get any kind of deal on it, you got to buy them by the thousands, and, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to spend that kind of money, uh, what it'd take to do that, and it is a lot of extra work, and, and we try to hold the price down uh, as much as we can on these things. <laughs> Workman, <laughs> Workman said, "Leave that hat on." You about blinded him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay, so he surely wasn't talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was. Yeah, I bet he was too. <laughs> but you can't expect much more than that out of a Cubs fan. <laughs> All right, and so. Uh, Going on a little bit more uh, about the feeding patterns and things, uh, Paul Ragsdale asked us the uh, day versus night fishing. You know, do you notice a difference on, or do you do anything on uh, fishing structure? Do you target it only more at day or at night, or do you always target structure? Well, I always target structure, and I'm sure that most people do. It's a different type of structure at night if you're fishing for for flatheads versus um, blues or channel cats because blues and channel cats, like I say, they'll feed 24 hours a day and uh, them guys will, will, will use different structure than what a flathead will, I believe. Now, uh, I know there's people that, that catch flatheads drifting or they say they do. Uh, I never have and, and I've had guys say that they have caught one or two uh, but it doesn't happen a lot. It just doesn't. And and um, from our in our area, from the time the water temperature reaches 55 degrees until it gets colder than that in the fall, uh, drifting is a major way we fish. So um, you're drifting a lot of the time. But at night, uh, we do drift at night. But I would I prefer anchor fishing simply because. Of the safety factor. Now, if you're in an area, say you're below the Alton Dam or the Clarksville Dam or something like that, where you have all the dam lights plus the lights on the boat, it's not nearly as bad because it's lit up. But you get away from them, and, and on a cloudy night, it's pitch dark, and uh, you can get yourself in trouble pretty quick if you're not used to the area. Oh, we lost Chuck, so I'm trying to get Chuck back on here. Okay. But, you know, uh, daytime fishing is something uh, that, that we do a lot of because we do so many tournaments. But uh, in the daytime, we, we look for, for current breaks and seams and, and uh, bends in the river and stuff like that. Where at night, a lot of times, we're looking at, at uh, sunken trees or rock piles or humps and, and uh, different things that we're looking at during the daytime. Uh, a lot of times, too, something I look for is uh, two different uh, uh, types of water where they need one muddy and one stained or one stained and one fairly clear. Uh, I check, I do a lot of that kind of stuff uh, throughout the daytime where at night you wouldn't be able to see it or tell unless you'd been there in the daytime to notice it. But that's what free fishing's for, so you can find those places and be able to do that. Uh, you know, as important as as uh, a lot of that stuff is, then you've got to rely back on uh, getting the right bait for how you're fishing also. 
Yeah. The uh, I myself, you know, I I don't always target structure necessarily at, at nighttime. I for some reason, you know, I feel like I mean, if there is structure, they're good. But there's times where uh, just a big flat, just I mean, all it is is a big flat, and um, you know, like I I don't know if it's that they start cruising, and especially like for flatheads and stuff, um, you'll want to get right up right up next to the bank, you know. And there's not necessarily structure there. It's almost you you know. I know bluegill and whatnot are, are going to be traveling around, but they might be sitting on structure or they might not. Um, but there's there's quite a bit of times where I've kind of thought there wasn't any structure, but more was targeting fish that were just sort of scavenging uh, the bank line. You know, they, they they weren't necessarily sitting on structure or anything. They were they were more scavenging, looking for food, and you know, I'll, I'll I don't mind almost all the time if I'm near a bank, I'm going to have um, bait up near it. You know, right up on the bank, and there might not be a, a any sort of structure. If I've gone through there, you know, it could just be a flat. Um, well, a lot of times, what I've noticed on those flats and stuff, you, if you catch a time when the wind is blowing into that flat, it'll blow all that stuff up where them shad and things chase and. Uh, uh, if the sh if the bait's there, the fish are going to come to it. That's just you know, that's kind of the way that works. And and uh, if you can catch a time when you got a, a breeze blowing uh, that plankton and stuff up on a flat, and uh, you know, if them shad go up in there, the channel cat's going to be there, the blue's going to be there, the flathead's sure going to be there. So uh, if you can find a flat with anywhere from one or two, three foot of water to 15 or 20 foot for a long stretch, that's a definite spot you want to be on drifting, day or night. Here, I'm going to give Chuck this link like I did for you. Hopefully that'll that'll get him in here. I don't know if it will or not, but... And let me get back to the page here. Oh, wrong one. I'm going to scroll up here a little bit and... Since I was trying to get him in here. Mm, no. Okay. No other questions there. If you guys are out pre-fishing for a tournament or, you know, pre-fishing, we talk about pre-fishing for tournaments all the time, but pre-fishing doesn't just apply to tournaments. If you've got a trip with a buddy coming up, uh, most pre-fishing is done without getting a, a, a line wet. And you can go out and spend your day looking around, marking fish or finding structure and places you want to fish. And then when, when you guys decide to make your trip, you already know where you're going. Uh, I know, I um, um, can't think of his name right now, um, Troy Hansen is really up to speed on these new uh, programs they got for phones and different things. And he does a lot of his pre-fishing on phone or online. Uh, where he, he has a good idea where he's going to fish before he ever gets to an area. And this has become a great asset to not only tournament guys, but to the everyday fishermen because it saves them how much time they got to spend going out looking around for stuff. They can head right to the spot they think they want to fish and, and go right to it and check it out. And if the fish are not there or they don't like it, they can go on to the next place. Yeah. And that, you're talking like when he's pre-fishing online is that like Google Earth and 
No, the, um, uh, Navionics and uh, several of the companies now have apps where you can get the get the uh, programs right on your phone, and and uh, it's just like the the program that you have on your depth finder. Uh, it'll show you the same everything. Like HD maps and stuff for your for the lakes and rivers and. Yes. Yes. Uh, and and I under I, I I know Navionics has got it. I've looked at theirs, but I'm thinking he was talking about Lake Master. I'm not sure that's right. Uh, and uh, it's a little late in the game for me to try to get a hold of and find out. But but I do believe that there are several of those uh, deals like that that has those. And uh, you know, the Navionics one is pretty good. But the one he was talking about, he just raved about it. Uh, he sits around and and uh, does a lot of pre-fishing and, and uh, you know Troy lives up the central part of Iowa and he fishes uh, Missouri, Illinois, Iowa uh, and uh, up up in Wisconsin in the spring and uh, when he gets to where he's going he's got a pretty he's got a list of places he's going to check first off and uh, if you don't find what he wants then he'll go out and look around but uh, that's a great a great deal for. Uh, not only tournament fishermen, but for a lot of the guys that uh, just go out for fun fishing too. Yeah. For uh, you, now, is there any sort of different types of baits that you would use differently on night versus a day? Well, if I was fishing for for blues, I'd be still be using skipjack, herring, moon eye, uh, uh, shad, live if I had it. And possibly live bluegill. Uh, where in daytime I'm going to be using mostly cut bait, and it'd be skipjack or shad or, or moon eye, uh, chunked up or sided or something like that. But uh, they'll all eat live bait. They're all used to eating live bait, so why wouldn't it be just as good to have a live bluegill floating down the river or anchor fishing? Um, that's one of the one of the great things uh, that people. I feel like people miss it, is not using uh, live bait because all they hear is cut skipjack or cut shad or, or something like that. But them guys are used to feeding on live bait. If you have live bait and can keep it live, which usually is the issue, uh, I you know to me that's one of the, the greatest things. And, and people forget about live creek chubs and suckers. Uh, if you go and fishing, you might as well take everything you can possibly get your hands on. Just because they're not biting on shad today, don't mean they won't be tomorrow. Or our creek chubs and uh, rusty uh, stamper saved us one time in a tournament years ago on Truman. We was fishing on the Osage River, and and uh, we we was four or five hours into this tournament, and we hadn't got but one fish in the boat. And he said, "I've got a secret bait. If you know a place we can get to some channel cats." And he opened up one of them little sandwich coolers, and he had a bunch of uh, creek chubs that he caught the day before and been on ice. And uh, we put our limit of fish in the boat and ended up second place in that tournament uh, because of that. So uh, don't ever limit yourself. To, if you can get it, have it, be, have it available and ready to use. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I, I probably said it before, but you know, from the first few years of tournament fishing. The biggest thing that I learned right off the bat was a variety of bait and fresh bait. That's right. Those were the two biggest things. To, I mean, because <laughs> I think the first year, you know, I brought frozen skipjack, frozen shad. It was not easy for me to go out and have 
you know, a ton of fresh bait. You know, I couldn't go. I, I couldn't throw a cast net very well. I didn't have the time, you know, to get out there catch it beforehand. You know, I just pretty much showed up. I had bait. It just wasn't what everybody else had, and it, and it really, you know, I think it really uh, impacted where I placed in a lot of the tournaments. And and you know, that's with keeping a blog or keeping a a log of what you're doing when you're out fishing and things. When you're especially when you're trying to get better and you're trying to improve how you're doing in tournaments and things like that. You know, Lyle, I'm sure you know doesn't claim to be the best fisherman in the world I don't claim to be the best fisherman in the world all we're doing is you know learning as we go and uh, that's that's one great way to do it, is keeping the log you you know having a blog that you're you're uh, um, you know if anybody ever goes to mine the FUD goes catfishing it probably it almost reads like a diary and that's kind of the way that I've set it up is for me to go back and look at it and see what kind of lessons I learned from each <laughs> one and, and, I, and I try to have a lesson that I that I feel like I learned from every tournament um, you know and like I said that the having fresh bait having having a, a variety of bait that's definitely you know one of those things that you learn after a while um, Crete chubs like you were talking about bluegill there's people that that don't know that blues will eat live bluegill they, they just think that you know blues gonna eat cut bait and it's gonna eat skipjack and they do but that's that's a piece of cut bait is not a natural thing floating down the river for them to eat. You know, they're used to seeing whole, or you know, whether it's dead or alive, they're used to seeing it whole. They're not used to seeing cut. The only time they see cut baits when it's on a hook. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, there, I'm sure there's very there's instances maybe running behind a barge, you know, getting chopped up by props, and you know, but yeah, for the most part. Yeah, for the most part, it's whole. It's whole bait, and I said diary, diary, <laughs> diary, <laughs> not diarrhea, diary. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people don't realize that regular cut bluegill is a great bait. It's not quite as oily uh, as some of the other baits, but my son's biggest fish. Um, it was cut off of a, a bluegill head on Truman, uh, Osage Arm, years ago. Uh, you know, he caught a really, really nice blue down there on a on a uh, bluegill head. And the reason we was using it is because we had the bluegill in the boat for flathead fishing, and uh, he had caught a really nice blue before that. And we filled it in the live well with the live shad that we had, and the damn thing ate up all the all the shad. And uh, we had to go catch some more, but in the meantime, we was cutting up bluegill and, and using them, and they work great as gut bait, especially for channel cat early in the spring. Well, we got Chuck back, but I believe we got him on his phone. All righty. Is that yeah. what we got, Chuck? Yeah. Yeah, not really. Cutting in and out there. There's a difference. Huh. Okay. Um, yeah, so another thing that I, I think about when I'm fishing day versus night is uh, is water temperature. And, and I kind of think that, I, I don't know if this is just my common sense thinking or I've actually picked this up somewhere, 
but you know we talk about how the depths of water as you go down in water you know especially in the summertime you know the depth of the water gets cooler and the fish are going to be down in the cooler water but well the when that sun drops that shallow water actually cools off pretty quick and yes. that's when they're going to come up into that shallow water and and, and feed out of that that deeper water because it's not as hot anymore and you know by and, and then you reverse that you know if it's if it's cold they might be down in the deeper water because it's warmer down there right right exactly right you know and, and those are all things that that people take for granted uh, you know when they're out fishing they well why are they up there in them shallows at night the winds blowing the other way there shouldn't be any bait fish up there well you know, there's some bait fish in there. There's going to be something that they can eat in them shallows, and they're coming up in there because of, a lot of times because the water change, temperature has changed, and it's not so so hot up there. And if it's not so hot, the bluegill and the, and the, not necessarily shad, but other bait fish will be in there for them to get a hold of bullheads or whatever. Which bullheads themselves, you know, I've never caught anything off of them, but flatheads, but they are great flathead bait. Yeah, so I mean, I would definitely, if like you're, if you're on the bank somewhere, you don't have access to, to you know, a ton of water, you know, and you, and you're in a 90 degree day or whatever, and and you know that all you have out in front of you in a certain area is, you know, five foot or less of water, I would probably pick a spot that where you might have 20 foot of water. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be throwing a bunch of baits out in five foot of water on a big flat on a really hot day. I would, I would go and try to find. Where you know a deeper hole might be, or, or deeper water, to try to get into some of the fish that are holding in that deeper water, and in, in, in being a little cooler. If you're marking fish next to that flat, most of the time you should either be marking them on the, on the break where the where the where it gets deep right at the bottom, uh, or just off from that, and that's where I'd be concentrating if it was me. Yeah. Okay. What about your giveaway? You gonna talk about that tonight, Chris? Oh, yes, I will. I've got lots of things to talk about tonight. But Whiskerwear Apparel for what the month of August? Yeah, for the month of August. Every episode of Catfish Weekly, we will be giving away a, I believe it's a long or short sleeve T-shirt from Whiskerwear Apparel, a koozie, a can koozie and a vinyl decal to one person who does what they need to do to be entered into the contest. Now, for the contest, what you need to do, I will upload a file for you to download and print. This will be it. You will take a picture of yourself like that. Don't get workmen doing that. <laughs> take Take your take yourself a picture of that if you don't have a printer, okay, pull the the picture up on your screen and take a picture with your face next to the screen. You don't gotta print it out. See? I'm thinking. So you don't even have to have a printer. But anyway, you do that, post that picture up, put it on our Facebook page, either our group or our page, we'll see it. We'll add your name in. You only got to enter once. You don't have to enter every week unless you, you know, if you win, there's only going to be one uh, one winner. You know, if you win once, you're not going to be able to win again uh, later on through the month. So we want to have four different winners. Um, 
but yeah, just definitely print it out or take a picture of it with your face next to the screen or whatever. Put it on the Facebook page for Catfish Weekly. Um, we'll get you entered in, which also leads me into uh, one of the other features that we have and we're just starting out on. It's uh, in our forums, our brand new forums that we just set up. There's a new post that I posted today. Um, basically, it's the a forum, uh, the forum Super Fan VIP package is ten dollars. Uh, the ten dollars is basically just helping us pay fees for different things that we have going on for Catfish Weekly. Um, a lot of this stuff costs money that we're doing, so this just helps us out. Uh, but what you're going to get with that? What's that? Or did I get? A, I think I got myself coming through your speaker there or something. But anyway. The uh, the package, the VIP fan, the super fan VIP package for $10, it's going to give you a bonus entry into every contest for a year for Catfish Weekly. So every contest that we have that you enter by following the rules, then you're going to get a bonus entry. You're going to get an extra entry, so increasing your chances of winning. And I know that we have some very, very good prizes to come for the following year. I mean, we might be talking like black horse rods or reels, and I mean, we might be talking some good, good stuff. So, so ten bucks is definitely worth it. You're going to get also um, a special uh, forum user group or rank, as you would call it, and it's going to show that you're a super fan VIP or whatever on on the forum probably going to give you uh, if we ever do add, add advertisements onto the forums it will probably exclude any of the super fan members so you won't see ads on the forums um, might give you some other uh, uh, upgrades to your account like you know uh, more um, hosting room for pictures things like that Definitely, as things come along, as we sort of make the forums nicer and, and I see things that are are there for the super fans to be able to have, then I'll probably add them for them. So please uh, go to the forums, check it out, follow the instructions. Uh, we'll get you set up as a super fan as soon as possible. Um, I think that's all for the... Also, also for the um, Catfish Weekly, we have recently partnered with Catfish Magazine. Um, there's going to be a new um, magazine coming out very soon, within the next few days, I believe, maybe a week. Uh, but in that, I believe in that magazine, you're going to see Catfish Weekly uh, have an article. Going to be a good size article talking about Catfish Weekly. I'm also going to mention the giveaway for this next month with Whiskerware Apparel. Uh, and we do want to thank Rob. Rob Rob is definitely stepping up for us, you know, doing four giveaways in the month, giving away a lot of shirts. He's already done another giveaway. He'll probably do more, so he's really uh, he's really coming through for us on, on giving stuff away for Catfish Weekly, and we appreciate it, Rob. Well, Chris, one, th one thing that, that uh, we need to talk about here, you know, um, we've had a lot of shirts and stuff made over the years, and I've had some good ones. i got a guy here locally that, that makes stuff for me, and he does a really good job. 
but I've got some of, of Rob's stuff that he has sent me. Of course, he's one of my sponsors, and he was he was sponsoring our tournaments before. But the quality of material that he uses is the best out there. Uh, he does a really nice job. He's behind catfishing. He's behind catfish conservation. Uh, him and his company stand for everything good in catfishing, and we need to support him like he's supporting us. So if you guys are looking for some shirts or something, contact Whiskerware Apparel. Tell him we sent you from Cat Fish Weekly. That way he knows where you're hearing about us and, and, and help all of us help each other. Yeah, as you guys can see, I'm wearing a shirt right now. Um, I can. It's not a, a real thin, you know, bad quality shirt. It's it's a premium quality shirt. It's comfortable. I really I like wearing it. They're so. very. And the sweatshirts are amazing. The the sweatshirts are very warm. Uh, they're they're just it's a quality product. Any way you cut it, from a super guy that does everything for catfishing that you would hope a sponsor would do and. And uh, we we just I just can't thank him enough for everything he's done for all of us. So uh, you guys take care of Rob, and he'll take care of us. Yeah. And uh, going on, uh, like I was just talking about with Catfish Magazine, you guys may or may not have seen the the top right advertising spot where it says "Too late, this spot is taken." Uh, that's going to be Catfish Magazine. Like I said, we partnered with them. You're going to see advertisements for Catfish Weekly and all the future episodes of the Catfish Magazine. Uh, the Catfish Magazine is a digital magazine. It's not going to be on the shelves anywhere. All you got to do is uh, go to their go to the URL, which I'll put the URL in with this episode on Catfish Weekly <laughs> tonight as well. Um, but go to that URL, put your email in, subscribe to the list, and you'll get all the Catfish Magazine sent right to your email box, and you can watch them, you know, read them on your computer and check it out. There's going to be a. I know he's he's talked to me. Is, for quite a, quite a while the other night, and he was telling me about how much he's put into this next ep, this next uh, issue of the Catfish Magazine, and he sent me a preview of it, and I can tell you guys it looks really good. He's definitely putting a lot of work and energy into that magazine, so we want to support him as well. Uh, get the get the readers up on that. Show uh, show everybody that you know catfishing really is evolving, and uh, we're here for it. <laughs> I, and Jason tells me he's glad I am wearing a shirt. I'm glad I'm wearing a shirt too. <laughs> but also, while while Jason is here too, um, I want to give him a shout out. Within probably five minutes of me putting that post up, he he became the first super fan VIP for the forum. So thank you very much, Jason. We appreciate it very much. Um, podcasts. Uh, Catfish Weekly. There's been people that have asked me. They've talked to Lyle. They've talked to Paul. Um, there's been there's been a bit of interest in the podcast version of the show, basically an audio only because they can't watch it, you know, while they're at work. Um, I don't believe there's a way for me to do it live, but I will be able to definitely get um, each of the episodes made into a podcast. So that way, you know, if you're at work or wherever where you want to listen to the podcast. Um, you can do that. So I will definitely get that started here in the near future, very near future. Um, so look for that. Um, do we want to go back to the night versus day fishing at all? We got Chuck back. Is he back? 
Yeah. Well, he's, if he's back, he's probably got something to add to all that. Can you hear us, Captain? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. We can hear you. Oh, we covered. Uh, we covered a lot. Uh, well, I, you know, I preferred uh, night fishing uh, during the summer over day fishing any time. Um, I'm really in a lot of disciplines. Sink and boat. Um, most of the time, especially if I'm trophy flathead fishing, I'll go ahead and uh, pack everything up and I'll move to another spot. That's how um, superstitious I am about noise. So, um, you know, daytime, you know, I'm, I'm a big time winter fisher. Um, you know, there's no way you can hang uh, fishing at nighttime during the wintertime. I've been out to, you know, as late as eight or nine o'clock and you know just the boat ride back to the the ramp is just unbearable so you know you know during the winter time during the day during the summer I like nights or you know anytime I can fish but I prefer nights uh, daytime's just been too unbearable here in you know June July and August now hold it just just a minute when you're talking about it being unbearable at night in Alabama, what are you talking about? 50 degrees, 40 degrees? No, daytime being unbearable. Uh, it really, nighttime has been, um, you know, yeah, nighttime, you know, been, you know, 70 in the 70s a lot of nights. And yes, it was 80 last night, and we had a front coming through, so. Now, I meant in the wintertime when you was talking about being so cold. When, for you, 30, 40 degrees is cold. Well, you no, know, it, it got pretty cold this past year. We was... Um, Way down to 25? Oh, uh, you know, it went down to 13 a few times. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, I but... Uh, I feel so bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, I, I don't live here for the... Uh, you know, for the cold weather, I think I'm going to need to move further south or something. <laughs> I know Chris Cordy and I, a few years ago, he called me up and he was wanting to go fishing, and we went below the Parksville Dam we put in there at the boat club, and we went up by the dam, and we sat there for three or four hours, and it was 23 degrees, and the whole time we was there, we was fending off ice chunks coming through the dam at us. Uh, you know, so that was the middle of the day, 23 degrees, so, uh, yeah, uh, I can only imagine how tough it is down there in the mid part of winter when it's 45. Oh, yes, yeah, terrible. <laughs> oh, if it's 45 degrees, it's uh it's it's time to call in sick. I mean, that's That's right. <laughs> I mean, I can I can day. go out I can go out in shorts and a short sleeve shirt down to about 60 degrees. Just oh. so you know. Oh, man. <laughs> Fifties <laughs> and 60s perfect for me. Yeah, six, around uh, in the 60s, I'm fine. Yeah, but uh, another another good thing about nighttime, uh, you know, around an hour before dark up to about two hours after, uh, that's usually uh, my favorite time to uh, put the big baits out, you know, as for trophy fish um, you know most of my biggest fish have been caught uh, around that time 
you know, even if um, I don't have but a few hours to fish, I'll come home from work and I'll go out from, you know, 7 till 9.30 and, you know, just come right back in because it's such a great feeding time. I guess they're in routes to their um, feeding holes or where they go at night. It just seems like a lot of them run the channel ledge, getting where they're going, and it's just a really good time that time of day. You can go out and catch a, you know, a handful of fish and get back to the house within just a few hours. Chuck, will you fish when you're fishing nighttime versus daytime? Will you fish more shallow in night, or will you fish just a certain depth of water where you're marking fish, or what will you do as far as how deep you're fishing day versus night? Um, well, drift fishing, I do like I always do. I do like a, a zigzag pattern. Uh, you know, I you know crank my reels up and down. I leave some. You know, I stagger my depths anyway, but most of the time, um, you know, I, I fish about the same depths. Um, it just, you know, at the bottom of the channel edges. It just depends on how deep it in the channel edge at the time. You know, sometimes I'll I'll be on channel edges that's only 20, 25 foot. Sometimes I'm on some that's 45 to 55 foot, but. I'm always fishing, you know, the bottom third of that channel edge. Um, most of the time, I I do a zigzag pattern, so um, I have a larger scent trail in the current because with your rods out the side of the boat, and some out the back, you're pretty much covering, you know, 25 foot of the uh, of the current. But um, if you do a slight zigzag and cover another uh, two thirds of that. You can get, you know, 75 foot of that uh, current with a scent trail down it. Um, you know, most of the time, if I start getting bites, when, when I when I um, zigzag on in, get up on the channel edges around 20 foot, I always keep my channel edge side rods up. Um, you know, if I'm fishing 45 foot of water on a deep channel edge, I'll keep my channel edge side rods up to about 25 foot, and that way... When I get, you know, real close to the channel edge, I'm not hanging up, and uh, I can zigzag pretty good that way. Chuck, Jason uh, Huggins in the chat has asked you if you're, uh, do you fish more lakes or rivers? Uh, most, um, most of the places around here, uh, the rivers are still controlled by uh, the power companies. Um Almost every lake around here, the the, the uh, upper half is river, and usually the lower halves are, you know, opens up to the larger bodies of water, which are lakes. Um, even though you're fishing in the river portion, um, if they shut the water off, you know, you still don't have current. So it's more or less, you're, you're, it just changes from a river-type current to a lake-type current just from the uh, current shutting off. So um, you still have to, you know, adapt. Um, you try to go by their schedule. You know, they put a schedule out of when they're supposed to be generating power and when they're not. Um, so you can pretty much plan your fishing around that. Sometimes they, you know, go off that schedule. But, um, you know, most of the time if they're not running any current, um, I might as well just, you know, go out here and, 
you know, put my anchor lock on and just, you know, change it, you know, go to a few different spots and just drift around. Um, they usually just stop biting, period, when they shut the water off around here anyway. Ron Schreeder's asking us, uh, do we fish with uh, multi-hook rigs while drifting or a single-hook rig? You can go ahead and start, Chuck, or Lyle, it don't matter. I use multi-hook rigs on my on my dead sticks out the side, but my bumping rods I don't. I use a single single set hooks deal on those. Uh, usually, uh, uh, Carolina rigs uh, with a bank sinker of some sort uh, ahead of the the swivel. But uh, a lot of times on my uh, on my dead sticks that go out the sides, and they'll be either eight or ten foot rods. I prefer the tens. Uh, I take them babies and, and do a double hook, either a loop or a, a, a loop, two loop rigs uh, done, uh, tied onto them, or I'll uh, snell two hooks on uh, one or the other and uh, use them to see what they're, they're wanting because you can go up a uh, foot and a half or two foot and uh, them dead sticks are pretty much going to be straight down, so you're covering two, two depths in the water column, and uh, I like that really well for, for drifting. So you're, it's not necessarily you're using it as a trailer hook and hooking to one big bait. You're using two different baits and fishing two different water columns. That is two depths, yes, that is correct. Yeah. On, a, on a 10-foot rod, you you know, you can lift that up. When you've got a fish on a 10-foot rod, you can get up pretty high. So it's not uncommon for me to have two-and-a-half, three-foot separation between the two hooks and have one really low just above your sinker, which should be right directly on the bottom, and the other one uh, be up two and a half, three foot, because on 10-foot rods, you got all that lift, so it's easy enough to, to cover two different depths. Chuck? Um, it, well, it depends on what kind of structure I'm fishing and how much money I want to lose when I get hung <laughs> up. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, going from river to river, uh, there's going to be a tree or a stump that wasn't the last time you drifted through. So, uh, you know, not having um, Hummingbird 360 and not know what's coming at you, because um, I always drift with six rods anyway. So, you know, if, if you're moving at, um, you know, 0 0.08 mile an hour or a half mile an hour, a lot of times if one rod starts going down and you run into a pretty good tree or, something uh it's over all your rods are hung up at the same time so um you know if i'm in a new spot um and i know it's not going to be open water and a lot of structure i just fish uh, one hook rigs and uh, unless they're short biting and being real finicky i'll use a, a double hook snail rig with one bait but uh, i haven't been using tiered uh, baits uh here lately yeah, I myself, I, I, I've only used a single hook rig. I mean, I've not, I, I mean, I know my partner for the ICA uses a lot of uh, double and triple hook rigs. Um, some of them he has set up where it's a stinger hook, and, and he's got one bigger piece of bait on the top one, and then he'll throw something, you know, he'll throw, he'll have, uh, say, an 8-aught hook on the top part of the fish and a smaller 6-aught hook on the back end of the fish. And then he'll have a leader line going down to to a separate, you know, a whole nother hook. And, you know, he, he might have three hooks on a line, and he uses that for drifting, for anchor fishing. 
Um, he uses his rigs in a lot of different ways. So, but uh, how long of a leader? Myself, I do about two foot leaders. Um, on on just uh, how long? How, most of my rig is about a two foot leader. Uh, for me, it depends on what water I'm fishing. Uh, a lot of times, if we're, they call it drifting, but when you're in a lake, you're basically pulling your stuff along. So uh, that's not not really drift fishing as we know it on the river. But uh, um, I do uh, in that situation will be my longest one. That way, it's in a float to set it up off of there, and it'll sit there and move around uh, behind there. And usually, I'm using three or four foot leaders uh, while my dead sticks and stuff well, most of the time I don't I just tie a leader on and put the sinker right on the bottom if I'm using dead stick uh, and this the if it touches the bottom then I reel it up a little bit and the hooks are snailed on above above that and uh, you know anywhere from six inches to a couple of foot the uh, as far as a bouncing rod or one being out behind the boat anywhere from a foot and a half the two, two and a half foot is on leaders on those. I usually use uh, two foot leaders most of the time when I'm doing controlled drift. Um, you know, but a lot of times if I'm flathead fishing and I'm anchored down, uh, I'll use just a, about a 12 inch leader and a, a no roll. You know, and no, no telling how far your line's going to be away from your no roll when that big live bait gets out there running around so um, I know you've seen on TV where a lot of guys are just not use a leader and let that no roll be right down on the hook and when that live bait gets out there on the water you know he's sometimes three or four foot away from it um, I just try to get enough leader on there that um, if if I get a good flathead and he gets up against some good structure um, you know he's not gonna break me off but I don't like to give him too much to where uh, he can find, a, you know, a big live rim or a, you know, a, a big live bullhead. He'll find him a good hole and try to get down in it or get up under a log and hang you up every time. So I try not to give him too much of a leader either. So probably three foot on max on my if I'm anchoring down. Now before we keep before we go on here, I'm gonna I've got a a few people that I want to give a shout out to and thank them for posting on the Facebook page, posting the pictures they've been posting. Um, the first uh, angler spotlight that I got is Austin Tibbetts. I wanted to tell you there's some great fish that you're posting on there, great handling of the fish. Uh, I've seen a lot of the way you're holding them, you're supporting their belly, you're holding them correctly, um, really doing a good job on, on your fish management, keeping the fish uh, healthy, taking care of them while you have them on the boat, getting a picture and getting them back in the water. Good, good release pictures. Uh, so thank you, Austin, for posting on Catfish Weekly site. We like looking at your pictures. Keep posting them for everybody to look at. Uh, Ronnie Renner, um, lots of great pictures of channel cats and blue cats. So thank you also for posting on there. Keep posting them. Curtis and Shelia Bowie, uh, nice fish bud. Keep sharing with us. Uh, Jason Charlton, nice flatty, but next time, support his belly. Don't hold him up by the by the jaw. 
but share the picks, keep it going. Uh, pretty much for the next, you know, every all the episodes, I want to try to get a spotlight or a, a shout out to some of the people that have posted on our Facebook page. Uh, we're getting a lot of good pictures in there. We really do appreciate the pictures on there. Um, people enjoy looking at stuff like that. So, you know, you got a picture, go over to Catfish Weekly, throw it up there, and uh, be proud of it. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge fish. It doesn't you know? There's lots of people that just just enjoy looking at the fish. So. Go ahead and put them up there and let everybody see them. Be proud of it. Yep. The forum now, Chris did a really good job of it, and he's got a place on there where you can put a fishing report and go in there and uh, post pictures also. And um, you can also get on there and, uh, you know, give us some tips and pointers that you would like to see with the show, some special guests, some topics that you would like us to cover. Uh, it's all on there, and we just want to hear y'all's input. So sign up on the forum and pick you a good screen name out and uh, start participating with us. Yeah, the forum's brand new. Like I said, we just got it last week, and and there's there's uh, there's lots of good things to post on the forum and, and have a good community there. Uh, so definitely utilize it. Go over there and um, say hello. Get it going. Um also, uh, if you guys remember, about a month or so ago, uh, we we talked about Jason Malone's daughter Brooke, um, how she had some problems, went to the hospital, um, was a really really scary situation. I got an update for everybody. Um, just a few days ago, she has started physical therapy. She just got out of the hospital. She's on her road to recovery. So everybody still uh, continue the prayers for a fast recovery. Um, definitely uh, glad to hear that she's doing well and and on that road, on the, on a good road right now. So, absolutely, Jason, we're all here for you. Tell Brooke we're here for her and everybody else. You know, keep the good thoughts going to her. But uh, well, some things that. Other things that were going on recently, I don't know about you guys, but I fished a tournament this last uh, Saturday night, and I fished it in probably the worst storm that I think I've ever been in in my boat. <laughs> and you want to talk about scary. Now, there was 14 boats. This was Extreme Catfishing Tournament in Madison, Indiana. 14 other crazy people like myself decided to show up knowing that there was going to be a tremendous storm coming. <laughs> And uh, and I'm telling you guys right now, I don't know. I'm not saying it was smart, but man, it was it was definitely a show. I mean, it was a light show out there. It, there was lightning hitting all over the place, and you know, wind picked up. <laughs> but uh, I I I went out. I actually did not have a fish finder for this tournament. I went out with no fish finder. Um, for the stretch of water, I was, you know, really, really would have helped, you know, to have a fish finder. And believe it or not, out of the 14 boats, and this is, I guess, another statement for, I guess you could say, how bad the Ohio River really is hurting. I had one fish that was 17.9 pounds and got third place. And the blues were not on spawn. They were post-spawn. 
You know, this was definitely just a. I mean, there were there might have been a few guys that that uh, would have had me beat, but they you know they they either lost a fish because of uh, live well de technical difficulties or you know they just didn't think they were going to have what they needed. But for the most part, you know, it jumped from second place at 52 pounds of fish to my third place at 17.9, and there was a lot of people in that 15 to 17 pound range. So that's that's just a, a statement for the Ohio River. I mean, you know, with the things going on there, we talk about it a lot. It really, really is hurting. It really is hurting bad. And, I mean, you, we, we did the weigh-in there. There was a lot of locals. Uh, the locals came up and talked to us. Um, they they pretty much all saying the same thing that we hear from all, all the people who kept fish, that it's just really went downhill. And it's went downhill in the past four years really, really rapidly. Um, not a problem, Jason. Not a problem at all. Uh, he just thanked us for for what we're saying and everything. So, like I said, it's not a problem at all. Um, also earlier I was talking about the super fan VIP thing. Um, right now it's only set up to be paid through PayPal. If you don't have PayPal and you don't want to sign up for PayPal, just send me an email at that same email address. If you want to send a money order or, you know, if you want to send cash or whatever, um, you know, we'll take whatever you can get. If you see me at a tournament or you see Lyle at a tournament or Chuck at a tournament and you want to get it, you know, you want to get in on it, you can give them 10 bucks cash. They'll make sure we get it and put it to use. So uh, just go up to them, let them know what you're giving them 10, 10 bucks for. They're going to think that they want a bet. They didn't know what bet they won, but they won it. <laughs> So uh, that's some other different things that we'll we'll do for the super fan VIP thing. Um, congratulations to um, first and second place in that tournament for for uh, Madison and extreme catfishing. You guys fished in some tough conditions and got some big fish, so. I'm sure you'll see, uh, you probably see some pictures over on uh, Catfishing's Winter Circle on that Facebook page here shortly. So. Yeah, I've got something that I'd like to bring up while we have just a minute. Um, I think about everybody knows that we're all planning on being at the Monstersville Ohio tournament. I mean, we've talked about that uh, quite a bit in the last few months. And, uh, in case anybody doesn't know, we're going to try to do a live show three nights in a row down there. Um, I think I've got everything put together where we can do that. Aaron is behind us on this, and we're going to be having um, uh, guest people up there every night for a few minutes, uh, as many as we possibly can. Uh, and I've talked to Aaron about being there and Janet and Bank and Doc and and, uh, you know, uh, Jason, Athena, uh, anybody that you guys uh, can think of. I've talked to the Massingill brothers and Jeff Dodd about being on there at the same time, if you can imagine that. Uh, we, we're planning <laughs> on having it on a stage. So, uh, uh, you know, this is going to be something that will be uh, 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 quite a deal for us to, to pull off. But uh, anybody that can come up with, with some uh, 
people that they'd like to see on the show, uh, send us a message on Facebook or, or post it on the form, on the new form. That would be great. Uh, and let us know because uh, it's going to be hard to get everybody in there, but there's going to be so many characters down there that we want to try to get as many of them as we can uh, to make it as good as we can. And, you know, I don't, the shows may be an hour a piece. Uh, they may be two hours a piece. It's hard to tell. But when you start getting guys like uh, Jason Mathena and Vicky, his mother, and, and uh, Jeff and God and, and the Massingill boys, I mean, I, that in itself will be a complete show, just them guys. So, uh this ought to be a really good deal. If we can make this work the way it should work, uh, it ought to be a great time. And the people that don't get to go down there and fish that tournament can still be a part of it. Yep, very. Should be a very good show. Should be a very good time down there. Should be some some characters, like you said. So if you guys do have anything at all that you want, you know, if there's a certain person you definitely want to hear us get, let us know. We'll try to get them. And if there's something specific you want to ask that person, let us know. We'll try to ask that question. You betcha. But uh, uh, we'll go ahead and do our closing statements. We're running about a little over an hour right now. So, uh, uh, Chuck, go ahead and do your closing statements you got. Yeah, I just want to remind everybody we got a um, Alabama Catfish Trail Tournament on uh, Wheeler Lake. We're going to be launching out of Ingalls Harbor uh, September 6th. It's going to be from 7 to 4. Uh, that's about the time of the year that the big ones really start nailing it. So come on out and let's catch some fish and have a good time. All right. Lyle? Um, just want to remind everybody about our makeup date for the uh, Keokuk tournament. Uh, it was supposed to be held July 12th. was canceled on account of the flood will be August 16th uh, in Keokuk, Iowa. Uh, this is an added uh, money tournament, so all of you guys that have already paid entries, thank you. We'll see you there. And anybody that hasn't and wants an early takeoff number needs to get their money in uh, because we'll be shutting that down a week before the tournament, and then uh, you'll have to pay us uh, either a day or two before the tournament when we're up there setting up or day of the tournament. Um, I think we have $2,000 added for this tournament, which is a pretty good payout. There was 40, 45 or 47 teams there last year, uh, so it ought to be a great tournament. The fish, I've seen some pictures of the fish that these guys was catching over the weekend up there. You know, 30s, 40s, 50s, they're, they're just knocking them out one right after the other, so this ought to be a really good tournament. Uh, the other tournament that we have coming up is September 20th, Quincy, Illinois, Southside Boat Club. This is one of our stays we go to every year. It's a great turnout. Uh, if you want to eat there, they got great food. It's just an outstanding group of people in Quincy. Uh, we just usually can't wait to get there. And, and uh, you take off from the Southside Boat Ramp as far as you want to pedal your boat. That's as far as you can go. Uh, as all our tournaments, a $100 entry fee. So, uh Seven to three, uh, come see us if you get a chance. That's all I got for now. All right. Um, we still have advertising on the site. Um, as you can see now, I changed the images for it. Let you know exactly what you you're gonna get 
uh, $50 is six months on the site in that block there, $30 for three months. Uh, just send me an email, let me know that you want one of those. Um, we can get you set up. Um, basically, want to tell everybody uh, thanks for watching the show. Um, we're really enjoying doing it. We're really uh, trying to make it a good show for everybody, and we're really uh, proud to have some of the people that we have sponsoring us, like Rob uh, and Catfish Magazine and, and Lyle with Black Horse Custom Rods and, and Heath with uh, Indiana Hunter. Um, thank you guys for supporting us. Thank you to all the people that are watching the show. Um, we, uh, you know, even though each of us individually have our own sponsors, you know, the show itself isn't sponsored uh, and ran by any certain company or, or product or anything like that. We're just trying to put on a good show for everybody and get good information out out to you and enjoy the sport of catfishing. So, um, basically, thank you very much to everybody. Um, ICA has a tournament on August the 9th is the night tournament 7.30 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. Saturday to Sunday uh, that's going to be at Hardy Lake um, you can find more information it's going to be a points tournament so you do need a membership $25 you can sign up for a membership at the tournament uh, but you can get more information on that tournament at indianacatfish.com um, I believe that's all we have, so I want to thank everybody, and as I always tell you, make sure you stay out of my spot. <laughs>